This is the VIP Podcast, Virginia in Politics. Let's listen to host Chris Saxman explore the personalities and policies that connect the Commonwealth. The VIP Podcast is brought to you by the VCTA, Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the VCTA and Virginia Free or our sponsors. Hi, this is Chris Saxon on the VIP podcast brought to you by VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free. And with us today on, well, policy nerd Disneyland is the uh, president of VCTA, the president, Ray Lemura, the, the Broadband Association of Virginia, VCTA. Uh, let's first, Ray, thanks for putting on this program, first of all, and Glad sponsoring it. it. You guys have been a real leader, and I think it's been a help to people to to engage deeper into Virginia politics. But let's talk about VCTA and the Broadband Association of Virginia. Why the name change? Sure. Well, we were the Cable Telecommunications Association formed in 1966. Wow. And just over time, the evolution of the products and the services that our companies developed, it was necessitated change. Okay. And in fact, it's our industry that brought about really broadband. It is through really the, the cable telecommunications industry that that brought this product forward what's well, it's 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 an amazing evolution over time just in the short time that we've known each other only 20 years right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, broadband what what is broadband so what it is it's you really the connectivity to the internet okay and what we're trying to do here in Virginia is really setting the model for the nation okay so we work to create the public-private partnerships uh, where an internet service provider and a locality will work together together to form a plan. And then we work with the leaders in the General Assembly to create a pot of money that will be available to local governments that they could access to bring broadband but to the let's, let's define for the audience what is broadband. When you talk about broadband, everyone goes, oh, it's uh, internet access, speed. They, they think about you know uh, a, a bigger cable coming into their home. What, what really is it? So it's... Really, the, it's the technology that's able, able to bring you the internet. Okay. Now, when we define speeds, that is really the access point with which folks can download and upload right. information. Right. And we work with the FCC at the national level to work on what is the appropriate speed okay. that would set the, the baseline right. for what is someone who is served with broadband or not served with broadband. Okay. And prior to the evolution, really, of our product, broadband was brought over copper lines, DSL, which was oh, very, close. very, very slow. Um, but faster for the time. But fast for the time. It was the, the new. It was the new offering for the time. Right, right, right. Interestingly, our companies actually worked together and have formed an organization out in Colorado called Cable Labs, where every day we have engineers going in and seeing what can we do, what can we create with this technology, and where can we go in the future? Okay. It, it sounds boring for most people, but it's the essence of our communications, isn't it? This is, this is like, this is, the, as Al Gore said, the information superhighway. Right. You know, he, he, that, that, was, that was, you know, I don't want to give any more credit to Al Gore than he's already tried to take, <laughs> but the, the fact of the matter is, this is the future of the economy, being able to transmit information, to communicate, uh, to generate all the the, the the different applications that are out there. Right. Uh, this is the the, uh, the interstate highway system and the electrification of the country all in one. Right. Fair to say? Very, very fair to say. When it's exciting is to see what is the application of it. 
That's when right. it's, it's exciting. That's when we could talk about telehealth and right. smart cities. But when you're implementing it, when you're putting it in the ground or on a utility pole, yeah, it gets pretty dry. Right. The topic is pretty boring. <laughs> Eyes glaze over when you start talking about attaching to a utility pole. Until it, it, it's, it's like the electricity. It's, it's boring and it's unsexy until you don't have it. Exactly. Until the lines go down, like, what do you mean? I didn't, where, where, where's, where's my internet? That's what, exactly what's, right. I mean, you dial up, you right. know. I mean, and prior to that, it was the cable TV. It's like, right. what is going what's, on? What's happening here? Right. Who's going to mind the kids? Right, right. This <laughs> right. <laughs> is my babysitter. Right. But no, seriously, I mean, uh, everyone's okay with, you know, electricity uh, until they, they flip, the, flip the light switch and the light doesn't come on. Oh, what's going on? What do you mean the power is out? Right. Right. So it has to be, you know, uh, constantly on, constantly available, right. and constantly up to speed with all the different uh, downloads and the and the speed with which things can be blocked. Right. And get it. so so this must be a myriad of very complex issues for for your trade association. It's highly complex. It's moving parts all the time. And I came from an industry before where one issue was in one bill, and it related to one topic. Right. Today there are. 15 issues in one bill, and the impact could be very significant to the success of the Commonwealth. Well, because everything has gone through the, the internet. Right. Everything is transmitted through the internet. I mean, this right. is this is adorable. You brought these facts on paper, and I and I'm a I'm still a paper guy. My my kids look at me like, dude, you are old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Some will send me a slide deck, and I print it off. They're like, this is why you have a laptop, Dad. And I'm right. like, I need that in front of me. I'm I'm a tactile guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I like seeing this in front of me, but. The amount of the amount of space this takes up on the internet, yes, times the tens of thousands of millions of times it's happening, right. has to be available for all of us. Right. And there's two really elements about this. So, building infrastructure to residents is one element, and then building infrastructure to a construct to a commercial site is another element. So we're working very closely with the public policy to address building it to residents to homes. Right. And that is the creation of the Virginia Telecommunications Initiative, which is to bring that, com that combination of public-private partnership to the unserved. We also work with Go Virginia and Virginia Department of Economic Development, who has identified all of these site characterizations and the 400 sites that they want to make available. And broadband is an important element to that. But at the end of the day, we're really the last tier that needs to go in. I mean, is a PetSmart going into that site? or is it Carillion Health? Oh yeah. So there's different speeds different and demands. redundancy and demands that we need to bring in with, with, with those elements of the, of the offering. So um, you have to work with all of these different pieces and moving parts that go along with that. I would imagine this takes a lot of time. And people, I mean, it's, you say complexity and you know, people don't care after a certain point, but just get it done. But it, it, the, the nature of the complexity, the nature of the physicality of this is a physical infrastructure correct uh, that has to be delivered right. and people just want it now right they don't understand weight right and that's a that's a so, great so, point so so describe the process quickly as you can I mean we're limited in time but it's your show you do what you want <laughs> um, <laughs> so how much time are we talking about here what's it look like well today we've got a lot of challenges going on so let me back up a little bit well while we've created the VADI process going through the Virginia Telecommunications Initiative. Okay. So that is the public-private partnership. Got it, got it, got it. We set up this model several generations of the legislature ago, eight years ago, we set this up. But the legislature only funded it and they put in a million dollars in the pot. Right, right. And I said, 
thank you, we've got the guidelines all in place, but in many circumstances, it can cost us $100,000 a mile to build broadband. Good Lord. So a million dollars, thanks, but that's not gonna go anywhere. Right. So we were able, the industry worked to, with the legislature. It has to help pay for You can itself. do it, right. but it has to be a return on that investment at right. some point. Maybe. Well, it's asking us to go to places where it doesn't make sense to go. Right. It's, we're not a public utility. So we're not like the water, we're not like the sewer, and we're being asked to go where residents don't have water and sewer even. Right. So um, what we've done is to create this process whereby you really want to have uh, a strategic plan to identify those communities that will adopt the service once it's built and then also get that infrastructure out there, but it takes time. So once we had this infrastructure language in place, sadly, the one benefit of COVID was the amount of federal dollars that came into the door. So over $700 million came to Virginia. We were able to plug and play. Wow. But now, just like many industries, workforce is a challenge. So every state in, in the nation has received money for broadband. Unlike Virginia, many states don't have a Virginia telecommunications initiative yet. So I'm getting phone calls weekly from my peers around the country about how did we set this up. So they have to set that process up where we're just waiting for it to get built now. So it sounds like Virginia's a national leader in, in broadband delivery, is that fair? Correct, that's exactly right. We really? are the model. We are the, the model. model. We are the model. And what what was the impetus becoming the model? I mean, how did that happen? Was it was it just the nature of the cycle in Virginia politics and the funding that's available? Is it the proximity of the federal government and the defense industry here in Virginia and the necessity of being a national model because of defense or, uh, or what? I would like to take all of the credit for that, but I really can't. And we try to be forward thinking. We try to see what is coming around the corner, try right. like the Wayne Gretzky philosophy, Kate, uh, but, need, but need drives a lot of the decision making. Mm -hmm. And there has to have been an overriding need that Virginia had that you saw and implemented in, I can't call it the Ray Lemire plan, you know, right. whatever. <laughs> I'm good with it. Right. <laughs> Ray Lemire TM, you know, right. trademark this thing. Right. Um, and you should deserve credit for it. But, I mean, for the other states, I mean, we're not, I, I tell people, not pejoratively, we're just not Wyoming. Correct. I mean, we are central to the what goes on in this country yes. and, by extension, the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. So to your point, I mean, having Northern Virginia and that economic engine and the demands that drive around that, Richmond and Hampton Roads, the Golden Crescent, and then having an outstanding university system mm. that you have these things and connectivities where you want to bring talent to the pool. So that is one of the fun things I've been able to work with uh, into the telehealth space, Dr. Karen Ruban at a mm. UVA, who was one of the, the patron saints, really, of telehealth. Okay. And so is working with her and Senator Wampler uh, in the days on seeing where this technology can lead us into the future and how it is all moving that space. And then how do we get infrastructure built to those areas that are hard to get to? Were, were there forces politically and in policy that were driving this like, oh, look, this is coming. We've got to get ahead of this. Was there a, was, I mean, Virginia has a unique political reality that I think we, we often uh, don't really appreciate because of the dynamics. Uh, and that's one of the things this podcast I try to do is, is draw those out in the conversations. And this is why Virginia politics is so fascinating right. and so important to follow for people not in Virginia, but also people in Virginia, obviously. But I think there's a lot of, because we're a bellwether and because we do things off cycle of everybody else, there's, I think there's an element of force that 
really pushes uh, politicians, policymakers, uh, trade associations to get ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. As I sit back and think about it, I think really think one of the drivers behind this really could have been the tobacco settlements that occurred and the change really? in the agricultural climate of Virginia, how uh, you know, the Commonwealth set up the Virginia Tobacco Commission to help economically depressed areas as the change in the tobacco industry occurred. That makes sense. And what a our great leaders point. in this in this space really were Senator William Wampler, sure, and Congressman Rick Boucher at the time. Okay, not typically political allies that you would see, but they but were. But this seen, is not a partisan issue. Not, not at all, and that's what I really enjoy working in this and space because it's well, not partisan. I don't think uh, Wampler and Boucher were really partisan guys. I mean, they had their obviously their moments, right? But I mean, when you're down in Southwest Virginia, it doesn't matter. I mean, right. putting food on the table and jobs in the marketplace are, are really, really important. Exactly. So this op, that makes the most sense. Yeah. So they were really the drivers behind, in my view, yeah. the drivers to help push this initiative of seeing where the puck is going and, and thinking down the line That's a great and trying analogy. to drive jobs. That's a great analogy, especially for the Penguins fan who lost yet again in overtime oh, because our, our goalie doesn't happen. Doesn't, he likes watching the, go, the puck in the net. What the hell happened? Um, He's following the puck. <laughs> he follows the puck. <laughs> um, but you also had to have the money from the tobacco settlement going towards these, these initiatives. It's nice to have dreams. Right. We want to build this, but if you don't have the money to go but to build it, and then you can go to the, the bank and do all these things, but when you have a pot of money that came from the tobacco settlement, the master settlement agreement, that provided some funding which begets more funding. Right. So frankly, after we set up the Virginia Telecommunications Initiative in the state budget, we went and worked with the Tobacco Commission. Uh, Evan Feynman, who was oh, at the guy. Tobacco Commission guy. Uh, head guy there and then became Governor Northern Broadband right. advisor, helped to model the VADI uh, guidelines within the tobacco, frame, tobacco Commission framework. There's some regulatory policy things, but right. really, again, the focus was building broadband to the unserved, those who have nothing. If Zero. Tax, well, if tax dollars are going to be used, it needs to go to areas that have nothing. Do not compete with it or create a competitive network with taxpayer dollars when you've right. got a provider there. Right, right. And it does create an, an, an equity and inequality in the total economic structure of Virginia. And imagine, I think Virginia has the greatest disparity in wealth and poverty in the country because of sure. the inordinate uh, wealth of Northern Virginia and uh, the rural areas of the Commonwealth that have been left behind. Can you imagine not having tobacco settlement to even get to this point where they're even remotely competitive? Exactly. Um, and now you see people post-pandemic or during the pandemic, moving and doing more remote work, none of this could have happened without broadband. Exactly. And one of the things that we're working on this General Assembly session is a, a line extension program part two. So last year, we worked the Department of Housing and Community Development with all of the federal dollars that are now in play for broadband to create a grant system where if someone lives more than 300 feet from the road or where broadband exists, they could apply to DHCD, Department of Housing and Community Development, for a grant to extend that network. Wow. Um, what we've kind of found is, what we the wrinkle is, we tied it to only families who are low to moderate income. And we could easily see very quickly that a regular family of four may have two kids in college all of a sudden they're getting handed a bill from a contractor for $15,000 to build broadband to their house 
sometimes puts it out of reach and would ostensibly be a barrier for us to achieving universal broadband coverage. So this session, we're working with uh, the chairs of the Broadband Advisory Council, uh, Senator Jennifer Boisco and Delegate Kathy Byron, to create a, a similar uh, program called LECAP, which will allow regular citizens to apply and get a grant to build broadband to their home. And as we know, these right now, these are the toughest folks we're trying to get to now. Right. They are across a creek. They are across a railroad track. Right. They are a half mile from the road. They live on a farm. They want to live on the water. And so we're creating these programs because the federal dollars are there. We have all paid into this process to use the dollars. So use them to get us universal coverage. And quite frankly, Virginia, again, can be the leader to achieve this goal. When you think about... I mean, is there any objection to that? I mean, people going, no, we shouldn't spend the money. Or is it just federal money that's out there that can be spent there? It's like, it's just banked and ready to go as long as people can understand that. We've talked about adoption issues of, you know, you don't know what's available to you. I think that's probably another development right. in the future for, for your organization, right. the Broadband Association. It's, just, it's knowledge based. We, we, you don't know. Right. And so oftentimes we assume it's available or it's not available. Right. So, and this is where really it is important to work closely with the local governments right. because they know where their residents don't have broadband. Sure. They, they get that. So working with the ISP, their internet service provider, who's closest to them to extend that service right. is just how it makes sense. And then you, you raise, raise the point of adoption. It's interesting to be in an industry where you've got two battlefronts going on at one time, <laughs> and it kicks up a lot of... of of time to explain this because, as you can see, this is not an elevator speech. So we've been working on the area of building and constructing broadband, but then we've also been working in the area, even in inner cities right. and localities, where broadband is literally at their doorstep, but for one reason or another, a family has not adopted the service. For some, they may not have the equipment to do it. For some, they may not have the ability to pay for it. Um, <coughs> so, uh, in fact, 10 years ago, a number of our companies created programs where if families were on free and reduced school lunch, they could get broadband for $10 a mm. month. And it was an outstanding program. And But since then, with all the federal dollars coming in, the federal government is now providing a subsidy for these same type of households where they can get broadband for free, ostensibly. Wow. They're offering a $30 credit. So this takes the costs off the table for anyone. And so most people don't even know this exists. They don't know it exists. And we're trying to communicate as best we can with policymakers, with local governments. Uh, COVID made it a wrinkle because of just the restrictions sure, of being close with everybody. Sure, sure. Um, and putting it on the internet doesn't help you when <laughs> people don't have, don't the, have internet. the internet. <laughs> so um, we've been working with a lot of uh, all of our elected officials really to kind of take it up during a town hall meeting and say, this is a federal program that's available to you and take advantage of it right. and really bring information back to your constituents. So what is there, are there any pushbacks in, in the General Assembly to do these kinds of things? Are you re finding resistance? Everyone's like, uh, okay, yeah, sure, Ray, go do it. How can we help out? Is that the, is that the overall I would say this, no, I would say it's bipartisan in leadership. How, we can, how, can, how, how can, can we help? help? Exactly. Um, some of the challenges from time to time from a policy standpoint is just because the word broadband is in a sentence of policy doesn't mean that it's a good idea. So we have to help educate folks on this is the plan we've created. Don't deviate from the plan. We're in the red zone. Right, right, right. Don't hike the ball over the, 
the quarterback's head and he's you know, getting sacked on the 50. We're in the red zone to achieve universal coverage and then really being able to, to go after the elements of adoption, telehealth. I mean, you can imagine getting you know, infrastructure out to Southwest Virginia where they can have access to the heart doctors or the brain doctors right, right. at UVA by a teleconference. Right. Um, I is, that, is that one of the primary selling points is the healthcare component? Or is, it, or is it economic development or just basic connectivity? Basic connectivity because people can work from home. Their, their kids, if, they, if a child does not have broadband in their home, they're losing every day. They're getting behind every day. Right. Um, and then, but the, te- the health aspects is absolutely fantastic. I guess I was, we'll wrap up with, with this one. Um, big tech, big data. These are, these are politi- starting to become political liabilities. Right. Fair to say. <clears throat> yes. Are you, are, is that entering the conversation in your industry at all as an impediment to further adoption, further connectivity, last mile um, extension of, of broadband? Is that entering? So we see kind of the fangs that are out there, the, fam- the Facebooks, the Amazon. They are driving Fang different stocks. Things. Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Netflix. Google, and Am- Amazon, Apple. Right, yeah. Okay. So they're fang all- stocks, not like fang stocks. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> they're driving different conversations that we're kind of very closely watching to make sure that uh, it's not upsetting how the delivery of broadband is occurring. So we're watching these very closely. We keep a pulse on this, but some of those companies, you know, lead in a different direction, and sometimes we just are they members of your organization? No, they are not. They are not. No. So okay, it's not. That's not true. Who who are your members? So our members are Comcast, Cox, okay, Charter, okay, Chantel, okay, Nelson Cable, Breezeline. Uh, who did I leave out? Uh, Altice. Altice. Charter Citizens. Charter. Okay. So we have, Virginia is fortunate that we have really the nation's leading telecommunications providers in Virginia. Right. And then you add in a Verizon, uh, again, who's another national leader. We have those companies that are willing to invest in making these investments and bringing uh, the greatest technology available to uh, broadband space. And we continue to upgrade in this area. That's exciting. It's very exciting. It's, very, it's not boring. <laughs> it's not boring. For everybody else, it's, it's, it's unsexy. Unless I'm talking about a utility poll. It's not Woo. boring. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Ray Lamira, president of VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia. Thanks for joining us on the VIP podcast brought to you by Ray and the good people at VCTA to engage in Virginia politics, Virginia in politics, VIP, not very important person, but Ray Lamira is both a VIP in politics and in Virginia. Uh, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe, like, and share on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple. Thanks for joining us.